Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, Tara Williams with the Mom Manual today. I have an amazing guest. Dr. Tracy is a psychologist and a couples therapist. She's the owner of Integrated Wellness and Be Connected, an online program for women and couples. Dr. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tara, for inviting me here. I'm so, so privileged to be sitting with you. So I, I think everyone listening knows I say this all the time, but I am truly so excited to talk to you. I personally need all the couples therapy and all the help. So Dr. Tracy, tell us just a quick background on your journey and how you became a psychologist and a couples therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh goodness. The couples therapist and psychologist journey is a long one, but I'll tell you a little bit about how I came to be in the social media space and creating my online programs for people. I am a mom of two and I, despite being a couples therapist, I am not immune to what it means to struggle in the postpartum period. And I remember sitting in my basement, nursing my daughter, my second in the depths of the Canadian winter and really being dissatisfied about the information being shared on relationships and postpartum. And I think many of us can relate to this, that everybody is talking about how they're feeding their baby, what sleeping methods they're using, the product that they're using, which are all really important things. And yet we don't talk about our relationships. And I really wanted to come out and normalize just how hard this season is on our marriages, on our relationships, and to make the tools and strategies I use every day with the couples in my office, with the mothers, with the women, make it more accessible for people. So that's where drtracyd.com and Be Connected came from in terms of wanting to take my expertise, making it more accessible so that people can learn at home so that they don't feel challenged by not having a babysitter or if their partner is not on board, that is a common thing that I hear. And so that people can learn how to just start feeling good for themselves and in their relationship. I love that. And thinking, I have four kids and thinking back to my first, it was definitely it's almost this weird moment where you are so excited to have this baby and you're growing this baby and there's all this anticipation. And then the baby is here. And as a first time mom, you don't really know what to do. You don't know what your husband or partner's role is in this. Where do they help? When do they feed? I was breastfeeding. So my mom is who I listened to. And she was like, oh, you know, let your husband sleep in a different room, let him go to work. And I just felt so alone. I had never not slept in the same bed as my husband. And all of a sudden, like he's sleeping downstairs. I'm upstairs by myself with this baby who's, you know, crying and you're nursing. And, and that was a really, really hard experience for me. And I wish I had had somebody else to talk to other than my mom. That's very traditional. was like, no, let him get his rest. Let him go to work. You, you know, he's not going to help right. your breastfeeding. Like you're home, you're on maternity leave. This is your job now. So I really had no help from my husband, like at all. And then we had four kids. And so then with baby number two, I had no help or number three or number four. And 
it was really, really difficult. But when I look back, it's like, I really, every time you tried to help, I was like, oh no, I got it. It's okay. Tara, I, I know so many can relate to that. It's the, what was the messaging that was given to us? What did we see our parents do? And then what did we decide to do? And that really comes down to the, how do we communicate our feelings and needs to our partners, right? Which it's really challenging to do that when we don't know what it is. So this came up in my community recently, how many people enter into this journey thinking, having these expectations that are, first of all, not talked about, second of all, not planned for. So for example, some of the expressions were, I thought we would be closer after baby. No, that is right. That if anything, a baby puts you further apart. Right. I thought we would be 50, 50 because everything was 50, 50 up to this point, or it seemed that way. Right. Um, I thought sex would still feel easy and natural. I didn't think we'd have to focus on romance. And I didn't think we would be like that couple. Right. So we enter yeah. into this stage, this season in our relationship of parenthood without really clearly stating what are our expectations, right. what are our roles going to be? And then also how do we get there? What does that actually look like? And so one of the biggest things I teach the mothers in my community is how to not only share what they're feeling and needing with their partner, but also how to actually identify that, right? Because I, I hear you in the sense of like, I thought I was just supposed to be doing this all on my own. And for many of us, we put away our feelings and needs because we're so busy being the caregiver for our little ones. Right. Yeah. So today, Dr. Tracy, you have some actionable takeaways for us, which I absolutely love. These are really good, um, just kind of tips and tricks and, you know, something that if you don't have a pen and paper, grab it because this is going to be fun. So do you want to jump into kind of the first one? Yeah, absolutely. So I think when it comes to looking at your relationship now that baby is here, the biggest piece we need to do is redefine what it means to build connection. And one of the common things our brains like to do is to find that all or nothing thinking, mm -hmm. which is, you know, we were once going on vacations. We were once having late night dinners out or going to the concerts or these big events. And now we're not able to do that. So instead of not doing that, we do nothing. We sit on our phones and we scroll and we watch the TV show. And, you know, sometimes there's nothing wrong with doing that. Right. The piece there, though, is what's all this stuff in between? Mm -hmm. And I like to remind people that we need to redefine that connection piece. So perhaps maybe it's about, you know, planning to make a meal once the kids are in bed or someone getting the game out or planning, you know, get out the special cheese or the drinks that you enjoy, just something along that to build that connection and to have that special time. So if it feels like it's too much to find a sitter or there's no family support, I can appreciate that. Um, but everybody can put their phones away for 10 minutes and sit on the couch and talk about things that are happening inside of you. Yeah. So that would be my first one is re you know, really redefine what connection looks like. That rings so true to me because I've seen, you know, people on Instagram, they're like, oh, it's a date at home. And I'm like, nobody actually does that, but we should be doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. And like how before you would get dressed up and you would go out to dinner. So maybe right. you're not getting dressed up, but at least you're setting the scene like with intentionality. So yes. if it is, we're going to get ice cream and two spoons and we're going to get the cozy blend, like just setting the scene. Yes. 
I do this with my kids. We, it, we say it's family movie night. And yeah. so, you know, every once in a while on Fridays and when they were a little bit, they're older now, but when they were younger, they would get their sleeping bags. And so they'd like line up the sleep, like it would be a production. They'd line up the sleeping bags. We would make popcorn. We would have everybody get one of those little, you know, $1 box of candy. We'd put on the movie. We'd all be in the room together for the full you know, hundred minutes. And, but it was a very like intentional thing. And so they think mm-hmm. all the time of this thought and we still do it. It's a little bit different now, but it, they, they're like, Oh, family movie night. Like it's a thing. So I think there's a big difference between saying, Hey, we're going to hang out. We're going to go both lay in bed. We're going to grab our phone. And like somebody's scrolling Netflix. The other person's not paying attention versus like, let's set it up. Let's move to the couch. Let's you know, if you drink, let's get that glass of wine or whatever it is and just kind of make it like you would, if you were actually going out, like putting some thought into it. And that's something I've not done a good, good job with my husband, good job with my kids, but not the husband. (laughs) Well, I mean, if we think about even our relationships with friends, that is, we do have to be intentional. Otherwise that relationship disconnects and we don't have that anymore. So that, I think that is important. And the other piece too, Tara, there is around, the intentionality of the day. So if you say Wednesday nights are our date nights and no, we can't get a sitter yet, or I'm still nursing and I can't leave the home. The intention is I wake up in the morning and I turn to my partner first. I give them a hug. I give them a kiss, kiss them for longer than just the peck that we're doing. Um, You can, you know, when you see the socks on the floor, you can decide today's not the day I'm going to talk about the socks. Or when you're feeling overwhelmed and triggered with the kids, you decide you're just going to breathe through that and park that issue and talk about, talk about it with your partner later. And then again, you put all of that stuff to the side so that then you can be close and connected. It's super important, but that leads to the second piece. And that is that we don't want to look at the big things, the big gestures, but we want to do the small things frequently. What are your daily rituals? What were the things that you as a couple used to do before having a baby that would bring you connection? Did you leave notes for each other in your lunch boxes? Did you pour the cup of coffee and bring it to your partner? Would you greet each other at the door? You know, I can remember after my first was born, I wouldn't get off the couch. I would be sitting on the couch holding my little guy. And then my partner would come in and then it would just become a peck, right? It's not the greeting at the door where before when we were dating, first married, all of that, right? It's like the excitement that you feel of you're here. Okay. And again, those small things frequently is around, you know, a 30 second hug, Go and hug your partner for those listening today, go and hug your partner for 30 seconds and just know, and like, not a kind of like a limp hug, but a like deep squeeze of holding on to each other. And maybe it's longer than 30 seconds. And if you, if you actually want to play with this a little bit more, you can hold each other and say, let's just keep hugging. And then whoever pulls away, you can play with it and say, oh, what led you to pull away? Or my you pulled away, <laughs> <laughs> right? But you can play with that a little bit. Or again, like uh, Dr. John Gottman with his love lab talks about the six second kiss. We all have six seconds, yeah. but we tend to just peck each other because it's going from one task to another. Pecking a because box. We're busy. Totally. Okay. This, so I think this relates, you know, and if anyone has been married a long time, my husband and I have been married over 10 years, we've been together over 12 and you just made me think what, what did I do when we were dating? What did that look like? And oh my gosh, when we were first married, 
I worked from home and I would make him dinner every single night. He mm. would come through the door and I'd be in the kitchen, like making him dinner, looking all cute. I had my makeup on. I, it was very intentional about how it looked. And, you know, he came through the door. I was, how was your day? You know, and it was this whole kind of ordeal. And now there's, you know, he comes home and I'm like, what's up? <laughs> right. Like it's not even <laughs> sometimes, or sometimes he comes home in the door and I don't even acknowledge him because I'm just running around with the kids. And, you know, it's, this is, this is more than just postpartum. I mean, it's like keeping your marriage alive. Right. Right. And I, I, I remember when I first started working, I had a manager who I spent a lot of time with because I was kind of in in an associate role. And so we drive in the car a lot and he was going through a divorce and I was like, Oh, that's so sad. And at the time I was 23, obviously I didn't know anybody who was divorced. I hadn't, I was like, Oh my gosh, like tragic. And I said, why are you getting divorced? And he said, because I don't put the cap on the toothpaste. And I was like, Mm. well, that's why you're getting divorced. But it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. There's a million things that he didn't acknowledge that his wife wanted from him. And the final straw was that he didn't put the cap on the toothpaste. And that was it. And you do it enough for as many years. You ignore your spouse when they come through the door And then it's just, there is no connection. I couldn't Mm. even imagine getting divorced, but it's when you get to a point where you literally have no connection, it's like divorce seems very easy. Okay. So, so for those listening, I want, I want you to hear this piece. It's not about the cap on the toothpaste, right? It's not about the dishes. It's not about, you know, I always kind of tease my partner about the socks on the floor. It's not about the socks on the floor. It is the unmet needs and longings that you have in your relationship. And that over time, when you get into these cycles of disconnection, right? You say to your partner, how was your day? And they're like, "Mm," and they grunt, right? Or someone's in a bad mood or, you know, you stop giving them attention when they need it. We're stop meeting each other's needs. More negative emotions show up. More of our needs go unmet. And as a result of that, then we get stuck in these negative communication patterns. Tara, I help people identify this and be connected because yeah. it's like this foundational piece that we all need to recognize. It's not the cap on the toothpaste. And when I hear that, what that symbolizes to me is somebody felt deeply unseen. Right. Because and, and all the things, and then they didn't know how to say their partner I feel like you don't see me. I feel like I'm invisible here. I feel like I don't matter anymore. And it comes out when you leave the toothpaste lid off. Because for me, that's like, you don't even think about me when I go to use a toothpaste. I mean, my husband doesn't do the toothpaste one anymore, but we all have our things, right? But like, it's like, you don't see me. You don't hold me in your mind. And so I think that leads to the sort of the number three piece, which is like, what are our needs in our relationship? Yeah. And how do we go about meeting them? Today's episode was brought to you by Dreamland Baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep. The Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the Mom Manual and founder of Dreamland Baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wit's end. Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. 
The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary CoverCom technology, evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest? So when I talk about needs, I, I view it in kind of two different ways. So one is there are needs that are alarm bells are ringing and you absolutely must respond to this right now. The house is on fire. Yeah. You need to, you need to pick up your phone. We need to address this now, right? Yep. Most needs are not that and are more things that can be talked about and, and decided on together. So that's an important piece in our relationship is we're co-creating something, right? So I go to my partner and I say, ah, I'm just really not feeling like I'm loved or like I'm really important. And I think I need us to have some connection time. Right. That is not a like, you must connect with me right now. Otherwise the world is falling apart. This right. is a like, is there some time in the next few days that we can do that together? And how different that sounds though, when you go to your partner and say, you never help out. I'm so overwhelmed. You just need to do, or mm, the other classic one is you're always on your phone. Look, you see, you're always on your phone. So I'm just on my phone too. What's the point, right? Instead of saying uh, my, my bucket for feeling like I'm important to you is empty and I need us to have some time together. So I guess the difference is for me, this all resonates, right? And men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I would love to talk about my feelings with my husband every single day and just our desires and our wishes and what we hope for. And mm. he is just not a, he's not a talker, I guess, mm -hmm. which is, is hard for me because I had, I'm a relationship girl. I had a boyfriend all through high school. I had one all through college. I graduated college, met my husband. We've been married since. So my other two boyfriends were very chatty. Like, could you imagine this? Da, da, da. And so then when I met my husband, who is definitely the best pick, and that's why I married him, but he just is not, he's just not a talker. Like that doesn't energize him. You know, he talks for me. Like he knows that's my love language, but it's not innate to him. Like he would rather, he's like his love language, the five love languages. Yeah. His is no doubt touch. So that's more, he wants to be hugged and whatever. Yep. And so mine, mine's words of affirmation. So I want to talk. So how do you navigate for women who come to you and say, my husband never wants to talk to me. He never wants to go deep. He wants to keep it surface. Can I put you on the spot? Yes, please. Why did you choose your partner? Okay. So this is going to sound really funny, but I had this list of a dream guy in my mind and it was every single bucket, like he checked and I mean, things like I wanted to date, I played soccer in college. I wanted to, to marry somebody who was a college athlete because sports are important to me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to marry someone who was six, two, cause I'm five, seven and that's very six, two or up. And so it was very tall. So from the physical, like weird things, but somebody who made me laugh and my husband's in finance and career is important to me. And he's very driven. And I was, I was in finance too. Was, I just felt like we could relate. We share similar religious values. We both came from big families. Like both of our parents were still married. All of our ideals in life matched completely. 
like we we're not the same person, but mm-hmm. I've never met somebody who I felt so in sync with on how we would raise our kids, how we would live our life, what we believe to be important, what like charities we wanted to give to like where, you know, we go to church every single Sunday. And a lot of my friends think that is crazy, but it's something we both hold very important to us. And so it's just, I hadn't met anybody that literally, I had like a hundred checkboxes and he truly checked every single one. So a hard question here though, is I'm hearing all of these values that you are aligned on. And I'm like, yes, it's amazing. Yeah. And I bet you spend more time focusing on him, not chatting with you versus all of those other things where your values align, which is what we do though. Right. Because we yeah. find the peace and then we focus on that piece and then the narrative cements in us. And then we believe it to be true. And then we continue to act that out. And it's, you know, sometimes there's that piece. So this is what I do with people as I look at, okay, so what is it for you though? So I'm looking for words of affirmation and I get it. You know, so many women have the words of affirmation as their top love language. And then they say, but my partner just can't give it to me. And so sometimes what we need to do though, is turn that inwards and say, can I start giving this to myself? Because look at all of these other things that my partner does give for me. Yeah. But how do I then start to give some of this for myself as well? And and I think the reality that we don't talk about is that, you know, even though we can say this is my love language, sometimes we have to get some of that met from other people, not in the sense of affairs or having an open relationship. If that's what's going to work for people, that's their choice. Right. But this in the sense of sometimes I go to my girlfriends to get those words of affirmation because yeah. they can say to me, I see you, you work so hard, oh, girl. You know, right? Like you're seen here, right? They're going to yeah. be the ones to really sit in that validation and words of affirmation. Yeah. But my partner is going to be the one who, I mean, you know, shout out to my husband who booked my ski lessons and was the one who said, you're going to go skiing. Great. He goes to the store and picks out all of my ski gear, books the lessons. I don't have to do anything. He takes care of that. Right. And so he, he might not be able to sit there and validate all of my feelings and spend a lot of the words of affirmation time with me, but does he do the other things? See, and this is why I need marriage counseling because I want to go and have somebody tell me this. (laughs) I think, you know, it's, it's so funny, Dr. Tracy, we have a lot of people come on the podcast who are in the, the medical profession and that could range from someone who's a pelvic floor specialist, you Mm -hmm. know, just, just all over, all over the map. And every time I hear a professional, I'm like, I need that. We all need that. And this we do. We all need it. <laughs> we do know. We need it so much. So I would love to hear a story of maybe I know there's patient confidentiality. Maybe like what's the most common thing couples come to you for? Mm-hmm. What do you see most? Yeah. So most people come because they're struggling with communication. Mm-hmm. And they say, I want to improve my communication. And they will tell me about their recent fight and I've heard it all. I mean, couples fight about how something is placed in the kitchen, about how vegetables are chopped, about, you know, like all the common topics. And what is underneath that, Tara, is really the piece about not being able to see myself in this and to see the other person. So I talk about, I have a book coming out next year. It's called, I didn't sign up for this because Tara, that was one of the most common things that kept showing up in my office. Client after client kept saying, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this marriage. I didn't sign up for this relationship. Like what happened here? Yeah. And the struggle that people experience is that we don't know 
it's not just about communication. We don't know how to heal our, our old wounds, mm-hmm. right? We show up in this relationship and we are projecting things to our partners. We're wanting them to be different. We have all of our own unmet needs or shame within ourselves. And then they come out in our relationships. And part of the work that everybody does in my office, in my online program, is they're healing their own stuff in there so that then when they turn to their partner, they can then talk about their own feelings and needs. And that, you know, that's one thing that I, I feel like we're hearing more and more, especially during the, the, the pandemic. I know that I think it's, you know, talk, talk help and talk therapy. And if you listen to any podcast, they are on that advertisement there. They are saying, you know, what, what kind of traumas from your childhood you haven't dealt with. And I, I want to ask you, Dr. Tracy, I, when I think of that, I had a very amazing childhood. My parents are married. I'm the oldest of five, like grew up in my childhood, you know, home really, truly, I, I feel like as much of a Disney fairy tale as you could have. So then I think, well, I don't have any trauma from childhood, right? But I actually, I did do a little bit of therapy with somebody and, you know, as we started kind of talking through, I I was like, wow, you know, there was a few years in, and, and, you know, I don't totally want to get into it here, but there was a few years in my life where my mom was very depressed and I have twin brothers who are 16 years younger than me. And in that same year when she was 40, that she had them. Her mom died, her dad died, and her brother died, who was super close um, of ALS, was actually her brother. So it was like very, just a very sad time. My dad decided he was going to retire and stay home. Like it was totally chaotic. And so that time in my life, which was my sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school, was very chaotic and actually extremely traumatic. And I think that I view myself as just very resilient. And so I didn't really realize that maybe skipping school to watch your baby newborn brothers because your mom wouldn't get out of bed is not normal. And that I would be called out to do that a lot. And everybody at the school knew, like, that's not normal. And so I just remember only the good parts. And so when I think of, when I really started digging in, like I called my sister and I said, were things this bad? And I described to her and she said, yeah, they were pretty bad. And and I said, do you like think about this or have trauma about this? And she's like, no, I don't think so. I just really focus on like the positive stuff. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And so I almost wonder sometimes does, you know, and and you keep hearing like, do the work, do the work. And, and I'm mm-hmm. like, is there hidden stuff that I'm carrying through as an adult that I don't even think about or even know about? And is that affecting my marriage? Like, I'm not sure. And then I'm also like, do I want to go open up these old wounds from when I was 16 to 18? Like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm happy. Like, So, you know, so I'd love your opinion on that and like how much of this childhood trauma we really need to unpack. So we're talking about small T traumas. We can also call it childhood emotional neglect. If people are looking for a good resource, there's a book uh, by Jonas Webb, J-O-N-I-C-E on, it's called Running on Empty. And that many of us, simply because of the time that we grew up, um, experienced childhood emotional neglect, meaning that our parents weren't able to see our emotions, meaning Mm -hmm. meaning they come from a generation where that's not something that they experienced. And so they repeat what they experienced. And so even when people say to me, I had a good childhood, I say, yeah, I believe that. Mm -hmm. And what I know to be true is that there are times and events in our early relationships with people where we 
don't get all of our needs met. It's not possible. And I think one of the most powerful things we can do as the next generation of parents is to acknowledge that it's not going to be possible to meet all of our children's needs and how great it is that they could have a therapist and be able to work through those things on their own, right? So there's nothing wrong with that happening. And so there are all of these micro moments growing up where we do form these beliefs and these narratives about ourselves in terms of how do I reach out for support? What did I learn about sharing my feelings? Mm-hmm. What did I learn to expect from other people? What patterns of communication did I see between my parents, how they communicated with me and responded with me? And you might not use the word trauma for that. And that's okay. Right, right. And someone might say that this was a traumatizing event or they might say this was an event of trauma, but it doesn't mean it's gone on to necessarily affect and you, and you feel it's impacting your functioning each day. And I think that's the important piece is therapy is fantastic. Here I am in my profession. I absolutely love what I do. I love sitting across from women like you, Tara, and we like uncover these things and heal these old things that are parts of them that show up in their marriages. We all have them because we all have needs. We all have buckets that weren't met in a certain way. And you know, in the same breath too, some people might say, I don't think I'm there yet. And that's okay. Because if you're not there yet, maybe you're not. And I think the worst thing we could do for ourselves is to just add more on to us and say, well, you should be uncovering this stuff. Your friends are all going to therapy. So maybe you should also be, and it's okay if that's not where you are. No, that, that, that definitely makes sense. Cause I always kind of thought, you know, a childhood trauma is, you were neglected, abused, you know, hurt in some capacity. And if it wasn't so bad, then it's just normal, if you will. But there's really no normal, right? As as I'm sure from from all the the couples that come into you. I think Uh, there are all kinds of experiences in there and that they are common. I would use the word normal. Um, But I think what's important in there is recognizing that you know, you're human and it's really hard to be in a relationship because most people didn't take a course to be in a relationship in terms of you being able to say, what are my needs? Like, what do I actually need? How do I feel? How do I get you to understand this? How do we co-create our worlds together? Right. And, you know, I, I know, I know we're coming up on time, but one, one other question that I have, and, and I think a lot of listeners probably have this too, is, you know, we are women, we chat with our girlfriends and, depending on the dynamic in the relationship. For me, I have an amazing group of friends and all of our husbands are friends. And so I really, of that group who I live with here in California, there's only one person that I feel really comfortable talking about it because I don't want to talk poorly of my husband because they're friends with him too. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then I think sometimes it's like, well, you're not going to talk to your husband about it. I talked to, and I talked to my sister and my mom, but I also want them to like him. Right. Because he's my husband. And so it's a, it's a, and this is where the therapist comes in, of course. But (laughs) I think so many women think my marriage is so much worse than everyone else's. So I guess my question is, <laughs> I don't know how to ask, like, tell me how bad everyone's marriage is, but there's no perfect marriage. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really my question. And I, I want it to come from you for the listeners to hear. If you think that your marriage is not good and, you know, nobody has a perfect marriage and the people on Instagram kissing and hugging. And like, I feel like they have the worst marriages, like the people that are always like shoving it in your face, but I'd love to hear from your perspective and the people who come into you, like what, what is a perfect marriage? Does, does that mm-hmm. exist? I don't think a perfect marriage exists, Tara, but I think my question more is 
what, what is it doing for you to compare yourself to other people? Not you necessarily, but you know, what is more important is asking yourself, how do I feel in this? What do I need? What do I want? How do I move forward? I think we need to acknowledge that all relationships go through seasons and the couples who come out of those really hard seasons are the ones that are doing the small things frequently are the ones who are responding to their bids for connection, who are intentionally connecting and like, let's just call it out for our generation as well. Just put the phones down, just put them away more frequently, who know how to repair. I have a free masterclass for people who want to learn how to repair. You can come and get it over on Dr. Tracy Dio. That's on Instagram um, or my website, drtracy.com. And this is one of the most powerful skills that you and your partner can have in your relationship. And that is to learn how to take responsibility for what happens when you make a mistake, because here's what I always say to people, it's not if your partner's going to hurt you, it's when. Mm. It's when they don't pick up the phone and the kids are crying and you really need his voice and they don't come home when they said they would or something bigger happens. It's, yeah. it's just, it's when. Yeah. And it's going to be about how you repair and move through that. So is there such thing as a perfect relationship? No. <laughs> we all struggle in some way. Yes. And the question is, what do I want to do? And that is why a lot of women join my program because even though their partners aren't ready to join and do the work yet, some of them don't start out that way. Some of them do, but in those moments, they say, how do I want to feel and show up in this relationship? And what can I start doing to uncover that for myself? Oh, I love that. Okay. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? And then can you just give a quick overview of the Be Connected online program and and what that looks like? And and for anyone who wants to do some therapy with you, like how do they reach you? What does that all look like? Yeah, sure. The best place to come reach me is drtracyd.com. All of my links are on the website or come say hello to me on Instagram. I'm in my DMs there. It's social media. So I'm social on there. If you're looking for more support, my links are on my Instagram page there as well. Be Connected is a space where I am teaching mostly women. So mostly women join because their partners are not on board. And there is a whole series of video lessons and guides for you to do at home on your own time. But the piece that I love most about Be Connected is that I do a Q&A call and I'm in the private members group. And so I'm there supporting people with their questions throughout the way because I know that it's hard to get the support when you need it. So I'm there. It is really cool, Tara, when the women are messaging me saying, I found my trigger. I was so triggered. And normally I would respond this way and I did it differently. And thank you so much for helping us through this. And it's just been really cool to be able to see people all over the world changing their relationship. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Tracy, for joining us today. And we will put all the places to find her in the show notes and especially that free masterclass. I know I will be signing up for that. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, everyone, for listening.